come on, come on, sit down quick. Fuda, queen of the women, is about to start. She gathers us here and shares some tidbits of wisdom with us women folk. We love Fura, but she's not everybody's favorite lady. Here in ancient Sadama, men beat the ground in anger when they pass her grave. Women folk, gather closely and listen well. You must understand, a woman must never, never submit completely to a man. Absolute obedience to a man is never necessary. Women are not slaves of men. That is unnatural. Now, men as slaves of women, this, this is natural. Fura was the first child of the first wife, a high position in ancient Sadama, present-day Ethiopia. Fura grew up and married a very big chief, and I mean, big. They had a very big baby, but both were murdered by scheming attendants. <laughs> to lose her family that way, that was a hard time, and it hardened her into a decisive leader. She took control of her husband's kingdom and fought in wars beside the men. Men of Sidama, though the enemy is fierce, we are more fierce. Victory is ours, brothers. Show them our power. Charge! Men? My fighters? Go! Fight! Queen Fura. There are too many of them. We, we are outnumbered. We are... We are scared. Scared? The men cannot fight? They are scared? And women are the weaker ones? <gasps> yes, the women. You, coward, go home. Tell your wife and daughter to meet me here. And dinner better be ready when we get back or you will suffer. Queen Fura gathered the women trained them and strategized with them and they successfully won that campaign thoroughly disgusted by the men Fura took every chance to make them pay for their cowardice you idiot limp nut I am parched fetch me some water from my stream Queen Fura the 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 bowl you gave me, it has a hole at the bottom. I, I, I will never be able to collect the water. Oh, 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 oh. Women, 
Come look at this stupid, worthless trash of a man. He can't even fetch water from a stream. Why do we keep them alive? All men, yes, all men, are utterly useless idiots. Queen, I am sorry, but please, please forgive me. I, I will try, I will try to. Do you know what I hate more than a man who speaks when he's not spoken to? I hate short men. And I really hate bald men. Oh, yuck! Let's just get rid of them. They will make our children ugly. Kill them. Get rid of these short, bald beasts that burden our backs. Fura was committed to disenfranchising and terrorizing the men of her kingdom. She took their rights, relegated them to the home, and enjoyed every opportunity to humiliate them. The women killed all the bald and short men that day, except for one, a very clever old man who invented high heels and a wig to avoid being slaughtered. (laughs) The clever old man managed to get away and became the secret leader of the men. Fura hated the men and adored the women. She wanted women to be leaders, to no longer be enslaved and abused. She was very, very clear about her mission. Women folk, I am here to make you stronger and smarter. Why do you think they called me queen of the women? No longer should women be dominated. No complete obedience to men. Never. Now here is some practical advice. Always cover your private parts, ladies. Do not show it all, giving away peeks at your delightful gifts for free. Oh no, make them work for it. And always take care of your skin, hair and nails. Beauty attracts power. When at war, do not campaign with men. They are weak, and they will cause you to be weak. Besides the fact that they are weak cowards, they are also distractions. Hey, 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 hey. stupid man. Go and build me a castle in the sky. Do it now. Little did Fura know, the men were planning a revolt against her. The queen of the women has gone mad. She always tells us to do impossible things, but tonight she said we must build her a castle in the sky. This is impossible. She only wants to humiliate us. She doesn't let men make any choices. All we can do is cook and clean. And my sewing skills are shameful. Look at what I did to my socks. Now this castle... She will surely kill us all. Men, men, calm yourselves. You're not the coward she tells you you are. She is a silly woman, drunk on power. If she wants a castle in the sky, tell her to lay the first brick. That will bring her down to earth. Oh, dumb men. 
Bring me the biggest, fastest animal for me to ride. It will carry me to all the lands I rule. Go now, idiots. Stupid girl. We'll give her the last ride of her life. Strap her to a giraffe. Set the beast free and watch it tear her to bits. The beast really did tear her apart. Her body was scattered throughout her kingdom. Cities were named after where her limbs landed. And to this day they sing. And to this day the men beat the ground with sticks when they passed her grave. While the women pour milk and sing praises to their queen. Take a listen. Since the beginning, we've been the women out for and always beating the system. They ain't want to give us rights, but we kept with the vision. Oh, no, Virago, we're ammo. Brave people, gals, guys, and everybody in between. Have you checked in with your heart today? What's making you bloom today? Welcome to another episode of Vanguard of the Viragos, where we revisit the heroines of human history to learn from this hidden archive of treasures. I'm your hostess with the mostess, Chelsea D. I want to uplift that I am on the ancestral lands of the Nakachtank, Anacostan, and Piscataway peoples. I want to uplift the hands and lives that have loved and cultivated this earth for longer than us. I'm feeling a little wonky today after the week we've had here in the U.S., uh, and I'm expecting a few grocery deliveries, so just so y'all know... That could be happening. <laughs> uh, this is a hopefully very entertaining collection of nine heroic tales from all over the ancient world featuring femme leaders. I am a creative who is addicted to diverse representation in storytelling, but the stories we tell mold the people we become. But my guests on this show are folks who are actively studying, preserving, and making history. These are the real heroes. And today's heroine is the one, the only, Zenzale Cooper. Hello, hello. So good. Thank you for joining me. Yes, yes. Revolutionary greetings. So happy to be with you. So let's do a quick check-in. Where are you? How are things where you are? I am currently in my closet in my bedroom in Brooklyn, New York, um, aka my studio, um, trying to find a quiet space in a house with a two and a half year old. Um, I am doing good today. I am um, 32 weeks and four days with child eagerly awaiting my second born and um, feeling really excited, feeling very um, blessed mm -hmm. um, to be able to be um, creating and bringing some new life, some new energy uh, into this world that so desperately needs it. You know, I couldn't agree more, especially with, um, you know, what is transpiring here in the U.S. right now, it's so important to be creating spaces for a new life, mm -hmm. you know, creating spaces for human transformation. That's what I'm all about. So Amen. I'm glad. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear. 
so tell us a little bit about work with the Weeksco Heritage Center and your work as an artist. How would you describe your your area of expertise? Ooh. <laughs> it's like a big one, but a but yes. a small one. Um, so I first like to, um, put myself in the space of being a Pan-Africanist revolutionary political organizer. And that's kind of my, my foundation. And then from there, all the cultural fields kind of bloom, sprout, grow from there. So Mm -hmm. I'm first, um, a person who's guided by, um, in organizing our folks to realize that we're all African people, mm-hmm. no matter where we come from, no matter where we live on this earth, that we are children of Africa. And um, we have a responsibility to do what we can to help liberate Africa. So that's my first, my first job, my first work um, is doing that, spreading the gospel of Pan-Africanism, mm-hmm. um, which is the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. So that's my first bag. Then um, I'm an artist, you know, since I was a young girl, I've been creating and imagining, using my imagination to transform myself, my surroundings. Um, So I'm a theater maker, uh, an actor, uh, a director, a producer, and then to um, pay the bills uh, in my career, uh, my profession, I am the program manager at Weeksville Heritage Center, Weeksville Heritage Center is a historic site in a cultural museum, um, a cultural center here in Brooklyn, New York. And we've been um, charged um, by the ancestors to preserve three historic houses, the historic Hunterfly Road houses, um, and to keep alive the memory of Weeksville, which was a 19th century free Black community. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite places in Brooklyn. <laughs> It's just like nestled in, you can, sometimes people are like, I spent my whole life walking past this building and did not know it was an oasis within. Mm -hmm. So it's such a, such a rich, rich place. Thank you for joining us. So let's dig in to this idea of ancient warrior queens. First of all, I used to think it was just a fantastical idea. It was just something that, you know, when you look at Greek, you know, ancient Greek literature, the Amazons, it's all framed like this is not, this is fantastical. This never really happened. These people aren't real. Mm-hmm. You know, th- these are just a figment of our imagination. Right. And then to start to look at archaeologists and scientists and historians who have been researching and preserving these histories you start to learn that ancient warrior queens are real you know and they had a lot of contribution to the ancient world which I would think means they have a lot of contribution to today's society why warrior queens in your in your estimation um I've always been fascinated by warrior queens and I think it has something to do with um the duality of the concept right I think I've always been a person who um, has really challenged the stereotypes or the roles of of a woman. And I don't know if that's because my name means freedom, but I've always been a person who never felt um, 
completely feminine, right? Mm. And I think it's something I struggle with until I got to college and started learning about gender and all of these things. But I always felt like I had maybe more testosterone than most women. Um, (laughs) And so feeling a little maybe like imbalanced. Um, But when I started to really like learn about this concept of warrior queens um, and thinking about just like the, this, this role of women not being just one way, right? Like when you think of a queen, you think you maybe think of, you know, feminine Mm -hmm. sitting on the throne. um, And then, you know, um, it's very clean. It's very graceful work. Um, You're not getting your hands too dirty. And then when you think of warrior, you think of like bloodshed and, you know, completely in your body, physical warring, um, just the complete opposite. So when I started learning about warrior queens very young, thinking about like Queen and Zynga as an example, um, I was just like, wow, like you can be a queen and have all the femininity and the grace and the the looks you know the crown the costume all the beautiful things we love about or uh, I love about being a woman and femininity Mm. Um, but then you also can carry a spear and have a weapon and be on the battlefield and fight and be aggressive so I just love the the warrior queen because it, it shows us as as women um, that we can have this duality, that we have this feminine side, we have this masculine side, and perhaps what we think is feminine may be masculine. And it just kind of challenges these conceptions of femininity, womanhood. Um, and I think it brings more balance, I think, to who we really are. I think we, we're both, you know, I want to be glamorous and I I can cut you if need be, you know, so, and, and defend, you know what I mean? So I think it, it really just to me was like, aha, you know, a queen, a mother would be defending her, her own, her, her, her children, her family, her community. So I love it because it just challenges stereotypes, I think, um, that we have about what it means to the woman's role, the, the position of, of women. This makes me think a lot about like something I find myself thinking about with these stories is like there is violence and there is war and there is aggression and there is this. Sometimes I feel torn. Mm-hmm. I wonder, am I gla- am I glorifying violence by retelling these tales of people who were engaged in this or am I just presenting other options and ways of being? You know, what what are your thoughts on depictions of violence or description of violence in relation to these conversations around gender and particularly around femininity you know do you see there's a place for conversation about war and violence as we talk about gender you know what are your thoughts on that yeah I think it's tough because we're in America and I think (laughs) America is it's um so steeped in it's so blood-soaked right like America is war, is violence, it's built on genocide and slavery, and we're just so inundated with violence. So it's already imbalanced if you live in America, you know? And so I think, and then when you add in how Black life is depicted, African life is depicted, it it's violent. You know, violence is always at the center because that's really at the center of 
the American ideology. Um, but I think a part of us reclaiming and telling our own stories takes um, an act of um, decolonization. Like we have to go on a process of, of ideological transformation, right? We talked about our, our work and our business is human transformation. Mm-hmm. And a part of that is changing our psyche, our ideology, our consciousness. And mm-hmm. so I think a part of this balance that we're talking about of life, there's death. You know, I'm starting to teach my son, like we do, um, we do our, our little African history lessons every day. And um, we learn about great heroes and heroines. And we start out with when they were born and when they died. And, um, you know, my partner said to me the other day, like, oh, you're teaching him about death. And I've been reading him like these West African folk tales, and they include death. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm like, yeah, I think from very young, we need to understand that there's a balance to life, that everything that's born is going to die out and that this isn't something that we need to be afraid of or we need to hide our kids from. Um, it's a part of life. If we're going to properly tell these stories of warrior queens, we have to include the violence. We have to include um, the death. For me, I don't I don't think we're glorifying it. I think that we are just trying to show an accurate picture of of the experience. So I want to know, but what do you what would you say haunts your work? What what is guiding your work? The central question it's really about the African personality and um, working to excavate and learn what that is um, and bring that forth, bring that back into the world. Because I think um, this idea of being African um, is a political choice, you know, Mm. to say I'm an African in America, people often see that, um, in a negative way. Um, but it's really a positive affirmation of our origin and really where we come from and where things started. And I feel like in order for us to really recapture who we were, um, to get to who we are now, right. It's always developing. I think you got to start from your root. And if we're starting from slavery in America or slavery in Jamaica or, um, some colonized experience, then we'll never really know the fullness, like you're saying, of who we were, what we did, Mm. how we related, what we wore, how we spoke. Um, So I think a part of being a Pan-Africanist is this quest to capture, recapture what the African personality is so we can put that on the world stage. Because for many, many, many centuries, Since the beginning of time, Africa um, played a part in world history and and really played a leadership role. And I think the world needs that now. They need us. They need Africans. They they, they need the African personality to um, come forward with all its fullness to show humanity. You know, we need a more balanced conception of everything, of history, of humanity, of women. Mm -hmm. And I think African people have a major part to play because, Mm -hmm. and African women in particular, because we're the most oppressed. So we know that once Black women are liberated, that's going to free the whole world. And so 
I think central to me is really about um, setting forth, putting forth what this African personality is in the way of values. What types of principles or morality do I want to put forth? What type of um, what types of descriptions, colors, um, movement, um, environments, the worlds we create? It's really about defining and showing what an African personality is as opposed to um, trying to be somebody else, but like really on a search to find like, who am I really? Mm -hmm. And what is that unique quality about myself that I can offer to the world as opposed to being a a bad imitation? You know, my dad would always say is like, that's the worst thing you can be is just like a bad imitation of somebody else. Like, who are you? Find out who you are. And that's really the gift to the world is like, stop trying to be like them and be like you. And if you don't know who you are, I think this is the work of of um, the cultural work we do is really about excavating and like digging up what was to see like who we can be and like where we, we want to go. I mean, and that's, that's such a beautiful um such a beautiful segue because I wanted to talk about the literal excavation of the site that became Weeksville and that being a very community oriented process with mm-hmm. um, Joan Maynard, who the that area has been renamed, that street, right, mm-hmm. has been renamed in her honor because of the work of community organizing the youth to excavate this history. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that process that and how the youth were central to that process of excavating history and why? Yeah, so that's why I really love Weeksville. Um, (laughs) I mean, I love it for so many reasons. I mean, it's just really revolutionary. I mean, from from the time it started with James Weeks and these free Black people purchasing land to have political freedom, to create their own community in the midst of slavery. I mean, that's just like so badass. It's just so revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And then to think about how the this the uh, community was rediscovered in the 60s, another point of revolution in America mm-hmm. led by black people once again, mm-hmm. um, going and digging up this history. And so, and then the fact that it was community led, right? It really just um, proves, I think a point that 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 at least um, in my work, the school of Pan-Africanism I come out of is one of, um, you know, the masses having the power that history is made by the people and it's made every day. It's not made by just one or two people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's made by the collective, you know. Um, and so this kind of mass conception is really revolutionary in this individualistic society that we live in. So to think that like the people, the community made this happen, it proves that the people make history. And so, um, and the fact that it was everyday people, right? Not the rich and famous, but like boys and girls, community members, unskilled people, really just putting their hands in the dirt, had a desire to know who they were, to reclaim this history and was doing it. It wasn't waiting to get the degree to, to be, um, to get the approval that like, now I'm ready to be an archeologist. They like, look, we got to do this. We need to dig in the ground and we're going to do it. And I think that's the spirit 
that's that revolutionary spirit that we need is is like if you want it done go do it learn how to do it and so Mm -hmm. I think with Project Weeksville um you know it you know Joan came on later you know so Joan Mm -hmm. wasn't a part of that initial dig and that Mm -hmm. initial work but um I think what makes Joan so special is that she's the one who really took it on and dedicated her life to making sure that it lived. So um, Joan became the first executive director of Weeksville after this project Weeksville work had begun of the um, the digging, the uh, the archaeological dig, the, re- the reclaiming of the artifacts, yeah. the um, curriculum being created. Um, sort of this foundational work had been laid, then Joan came on and then Joan, um, an artist herself, um, came and really started to spread this gospel. Like if you hear any stories about Joan, like Joan is is coming from that heritage of black women who make themselves, like my father says, a committee of one and they get it done. So Joan like I hear stories about Joan being on the city bus. Joan wow. would have the clapboards with the history of Weeksville. She was going to anybody and everybody and telling them about Weeksville, public officials, to the people on the corner. You got to notice history. We got to save this land and dedicated her whole life to it up until the time that she transitioned. So, you know, Joan is coming from this hero, this heritage of heroines, mm. I think, um, and of warrior queens. Like she was fighting on the cultural battlefield to make sure this Black history was told and that it would never be forgotten. I mean, it's just so, it's so badass on so many levels. Mm. And it's such an inspiration to me today. I, I Maybe this podcast is my way of like collecting little bits of inspiration yeah, I, love I love it too this. because it's a part of it's a part of the preservation work this new medium of like podcasts this is my first podcast I'm so excited are you serious <laughs> yes um I love it because what? it's um it's building on our oral history tradition as Africans mm-hmm. which is age old and it's a way of preserving the stories and so it's going to live on beyond you. And so I think that's what's dope about it too, is that it's a part of this preservation work um, and and um, having content, information, knowledge for us to continue to learn about ourselves. I love this idea of mass conception. You see Adrienne Marie Brown write about emergent strategy. And it's like, she's describing a very ancient process mm-hmm. that we do, you know, because we want to be able to remember who we who we were and literally remember, put this put this body of work, this body yes. of life back together. Um, so who who is someone from history, a heroine from history, who you'd like to spend time with for a day? If you could if you could spend a day with with a with a heroine from history. Oh my God, that's so hard. <laughs> Okay, that come up just like immediately when you said that. I mean, I know there's so many, but it would definitely be Queen and Zynga. Okay. Um, because that's taking us way back, I think maybe 16th century. So like mm. really seeing like what Africa was then mm. um, and her really being on the battlefield um, and having that experience. So I, I would love that. And then I also have to just say, Zora Neale Hurston. It was oh. going to be her or um, Josephine Baker. 
who I so, so love. So I don't know. It's like a tie between the three of them because <laughs> of the different experiences, like Josephine, because of the glamour and uh, just, you know, all that that she had freedom, that freedom. Exactly. That freedom, mm. um, unadulterated, just free, you know, bare breasted dancing, just free and the glamour. I just love it. Um and then also her political side too, right? So I think yep. that's a, you know, I love that about her. And then Zora Neal, who was just like, she's just like badass. <laughs> she's just like one of those sisters you want to have like a stiff drink with, <laughs> smoke with, you know, and just talk. You know, she was getting dirty, you know, traveling around in these mm-hmm. different communities and going into the bush. And really a cultural preservationist at a time when people were like, who cares about hoodoo? Who cares about exactly. who cares about what these people in, in you know, these Geechees in the backwoods are doing? And she was like, this is precious. We yes. have to, you know, and she was actually someone who really put archiving in my mind. I was like, exactly. Oh, as artist, you know, and I just see us like walking through the mud to get to this <laughs> little community or this sister's house who's going to share with us this meal or you know, so I really love like the work she was doing and her approach, which yeah. was like you're saying, it's like going into those places that people didn't think were valuable or worthy. And she saw them as these jewels and she was just brave and badass, found mm-hmm. the people to support her work mm-hmm. and was able once again to be free to do what she needed to do for us, mm-hmm. for the preservation of our culture. This is so deeply a love, a love thing. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really beautiful. And to, to kind of wrap us out, is there one thing that you want to want to say to the people? Is there like a warning or a question <laughs> or <laughs> something you 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 want people to take with them as they go? Hmm. I would say um, I think. It would be, have to be about women's liberation and Black women's liberation specifically. And, I'm, and I can't remember the quote right off the top of my head, but Sekou Toure, um, who was um, who's one of my ideological fathers um, and the first president of Guinea, a Pan-Africanist, um, talked about and who led um, the PDG, which was the mass party in Guinea, to overthrow the French. Mm-hmm. It was this whole conception of... Um, this mass conception he was trying to bring to the people and really centering the people and empowering the people that everything starts and begins with the people and their happiness and every aspect of society, every organ of society, every structure of society should be controlled by the people. Um, And he has a quote, um, basically like, you know, set free, you know, the woman for the people, set free the man for the people. Um, and this idea that, um, you know, we're one in the same men and women. I think this is often something we always confuse is that like, we're one. And I think, um, but, but our, but our position is different. And I'll say this, right. African women are the most oppressed people on this earth. And so when we free African women, we're going to free humanity. Mm. And so, if you're a human being on this earth, you want to help free African women. So if you're a black man, if you're a white man, if you're a white woman, if you're somewhere in between, 
your freedom is linked to our freedom. So it's suggested that everybody get on board with free and the African women so that their freedom can come. Get on board <laughs> is where I where where I'm just gonna live from now yep. on. I I wanna thank you, Zanzale, for generously agreeing to speak with me today. I feel like I've really gotten some archival footage of some some real brilliance to pass on to future generations and whatever extraterrestrials pick these up on the radio waves or airwaves or right. wherever, you know wherever this goes um so thank you for contributing to human history thank you so much for inviting me and allowing me to share um my experiences um i feel so honored to be considered as a heroine um and i wish you um all the best as you move forward in this podcast, I think what you're doing is so valuable, um, so important, and so dope. Um, so forward to the warrior queens. <laughs> Onward, the Vanguard. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening to another episode of Vanguard of the Viragos with Chelsea D. This conversation and more resources will be on the audio podcast and website. This is a whole world, y'all, so check us out. Subscribe the whole nine and always remember, we are all on the vanguard of a changing time. Be the difference. Lead with love. Next